Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. So I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 12. We are in a series walking through the book of Genesis. Uh, we've been going chapter by chapter through Genesis. And I love, I love being able to do that because God brings us to so many uh, incredible places and stories. Um, but these stories were meant to all point back to one person. There's a scarlet thread that runs through this whole thing. And that scarlet thread points and is the blood of Jesus. It points to the blood of Jesus. And it starts in Genesis and goes to Re Revelation. And so today, you, you may have not been here last week, but I just want to give you a little background. I'm in Genesis 12 and be looking at the life of Abram. Um, this is where God calls Abram, who becomes Abraham. That's what this section is titled, The Call of Abram. And it's interesting because last week we looked at the Tower of Babel. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to go back and watch. But the Tower of Babel was this amazing moment, and I think we've, we haven't understood the, the context or what they were building in that tower. You see, the tower was actually a way they built these towers next to, and they were called ziggurats, they built them next to temples, and they made them as a stairway for the gods to come down and meet man in a sacred space. So that was the intent of this tower that it would be a stairway, a way for man to meet with God. Why? Because we have a, a longing as human beings to be connected to the divine because we have the divine within us, right? We have God's fingerprints upon us, every person, every race, every background. And so there's always been this longing and it's been a longing because in Genesis, which we started a few months back, God and man were in community. We're in relationship. They walked and they talked together. But then Adam and Eve sinned and sin entered into the world and death entered the world. And there was this separation. They were kicked out of Eden. And from then on, there was this longing that man would be able to connect with the divine, with the creator. And so people tried to make a way for this. And so they created this tower as an act of let's get the gods down to meet us in the sacred space. Why? We want to reconnect with the divine. This was their initiative for meeting God. But God saw this initiative and he rejected it because of their hearts. Because he saw their hearts were not just longing for relationship. Their hearts were longing for praise. And so instead of building this only as a means to meet with God, they built it saying, we want to build this so everyone sees what we've built and gives us the praise that only belongs to God. That's what we talked about last week. And so God rejects their initiative for creating a space for man and God for this divine encounter. And he says, I'm gonna start my own initiative. So in the very next chapter, chapter 12, he starts his own initiative. And that's what he does here. He says, I'm going to build a covenant relationship with a people, and from this people will come the savior of the world. So this is the beginning of the, the rescue plan that God had for every single one of us through the person of Jesus. This is it. So let's read Genesis chapter 12 now that you have some background. Are you with me? Good. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us from your word, that we would be challenged by it, that we would change through it. God, anyone that came in here with walls up, I pray that even at this moment, you would let them open their hearts to you and what it is that you want to deposit into them, you want to give to them, you want to release into them. God, you care about every single person, every situation in this room, and we give you all the glory, praise. Speak through this word today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Izzy, for making me sound more spiritual up here today. So, listen, I really hate waiting. You know what I'm saying? Waiting is the worst. Maybe you enjoy waiting. I do not enjoy waiting. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of waiting. I'm a very impatient person. I know some of you can relate. I hate being, I hate feeling like I'm forced to wait. Like waiting rooms for me are a nightmare. I mean, just think about it. You schedule an appointment and you show up at the right time for your appointment and they make you wait. I, I, this is an injustice, isn't it? And so when I show up and they're making me wait on an appointment that you told me to be here at this time, and I'm here and you're making me wait, how dare you? I just don't like waiting. Doesn't matter what it's for or where it is. You know, I'm the guy that in the grocery stores, Target, I'm going to check every checker. I'm assessing who is quicker, who is moving, who is talkative. I don't need you. You talk too much. I'm going to the person next to you. They're quiet. They're getting things done. Let me get in that line. Um, I'm the same way on the road. My wife will tell you uh, I do not wait on the road. I'm cutting in and out. It's a miracle that I have not been in more accidents. Praise be to God. But while it's funny, this is a story of waiting. It's a story of the covenant, as I said, and the rescue plan being initiated. But the lesson I think we can take away from it for us in this moment is that it's hard to wait because so many of us have been waiting on things that have not yet come to pass. So I want to ask you, what have you been waiting on? Maybe you're waiting on a business to launch, a job to come, a raise to be given, growth in your business. You're waiting on a dream. Some of y'all waiting on a husband, waiting on a wife. I see so many Christians that are struggling as they wait for that which they've hoped for in their lives. And I was thinking about why is waiting so hard for us? Because I know I have a hard time with it. I know many of you have a hard time with it. And I think that the reason waiting is so hard is because there's a fear that we won't see what we'd hoped for. That if I have to wait, there's a chance and the fear begins to enter in, I will not receive what I've been hoping for all this time. And so what I want to do today is I want to reframe the waiting for us. And so the title of my message is What's in the Waiting? If you're taking notes, it is on the YouVersion Bible app for you as well. 
But if you took nothing else away, I'd want you to take this, that when you choose faith, the waiting is never wasted. And so today I'm going to contrast what's in the waiting when it comes to fear and what's in the waiting when it comes to faith. And I think many of us are stuck in this moment of waiting, this season of waiting, this place of waiting, and the fear has begun to take hold. Because the fear has begun to take hold, other things have begun to take hold in your life. So as I said, this was the rescue plan, but Abram is not your typical choice. God chooses Abram, who later he changes his name to Abraham, but Abram was a backwoods, country, from the hills kind of guy. Not the logical choice. Not from the best family. In fact, they were an idol-worshiping family. And some of you can relate to this because you feel like your whole life you haven't been from the right place, the right part of town, you didn't come from the right family, you don't have the right background, and yet God uses anyone. You hear me? God can use anyone. And he chooses often to use the least likely people. And he does this here with Abram. But we must ask ourselves, how will we respond in the waiting? Will we choose fear or will we choose faith? So what if we reframed this waiting? What's in the waiting? You see, fear sees problems, but faith sees possibilities. Abram is called at the age of 70 years old. And he's told, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Your descendants will be blessed, and they will be a blessing to all of the earth. And I know Abram's probably going, me? You know where I come from, right? You know my background, right? You know I'm not a spring chicken anymore, right? His wife, Sarai, who God later changes her name to Sarah, was also elderly of age and and yet God says I'm going to give you a child if we look at this and this idea of fear seeing problems faith seeing possibilities we have to go a little further because now we fast forward I'm going to go to chapter 15 I'm going to jump through the story of Abram a little bit here we go to chapter number 15 and we see that Abram is still waiting it's now been a decade and a half He still has not had a child. He still has not had a son. And here's what he says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Chapter 15, verse 1. In a vision, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Well, who's that? That's a servant. He's saying, all I got is a servant. And you're still telling me that I'm going to be a great nation. You're still telling me I'm going to have this offspring. And and my family's going to bless all the nations. But all I have is a servant. And Abraham said, behold, you have given me no offspring. And a member of my own household will be my heir. Eliezer of Damascus. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Here's my challenge to you. 
that you would stop focusing on your problem and start looking at your possibilities. What happens here? Abram has a problem, a big problem. He's getting older. His wife is older. He still does not have a child. So what does God do? God says, I want you to go outside and I want you to begin to number the stars. We know that there are 100 million visible stars in our universe. He says, go outside and number them if you can. And then he says to him, your children, your descendants will be as numerous as that. Think about it. Abram saw one problem and God said, check this out. There's a hundred million possibilities. And so often we focus on the one big problem, the one thing, the one reason it won't work out, the one reason it can't come to pass. And God's saying, listen, I'm the God of the universe. With me, anything is possible. Somebody needs to receive this today in your life. You've been waiting, but God wanted to say, anything is possible. Because he's the God of the impossible. He's the God of a hundred million possibilities. Some of us can't take our eye off that one problem. And you know why? It's because of who we're following. And that's a big question for us all the time. As the Bible calls us to be disciples or followers, I, I want to ask you, who are you following? Because I follow God, and my God always has a possible ability in every situation. But some of us are following fear. We're following what we see in the natural. We're following what others have said about us or spoken over us. And God is saying, just follow me. Fear sees problems. Faith sees possibilities. So during COVID, um, I, I, I got really into golf. I used to be a hooper. Now I'm old and I'm a golfer, okay? Um, that's what you do. I have yet to get hurt doing this, praise God. And, uh, and so now I, I golf, but there's something really interesting about golf. They actually design the courses and the holes so that your eye fixates on the hazards. So they'll lay out the course and you will have, this is a, a, you know, a course often will have a 100 wide, 75 yard wide fairway. And then way over on the right is a water hazard. And so what we'll do though, and what often people do, and I even do, um, we get up there to the ball and we say, don't hit it in the water. 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 And then we hit the ball, and where does it go? In the water. You know why? Because it is natural. The natural inclination of human beings in our flesh is that we always fixate on the problems. I'm trying to help your golf game too, church. But the power in this is that our minds have to change. We have to renew our minds. Faith and a renewed mind of faith says, I see the possibilities. Because now I look at, I get on a golf course, I go, there's water a hundred yards right, but there's a hundred yards of fairway. What am I going to fixate on? Am I going to fixate on the problem or the possibility? 
In the same way us, church, we wake up every morning and many of us are waiting and we've been waiting and we're in a waiting season and we're still waiting and we start to allow ourselves to let fear creep in and the fear will always tell you it can't happen. There's too many problems. It's impossible. There's no way. It's never gonna come to pass. But when we renew our minds, faith rises up. We say, no, God can do it. If he promised it, he'll do it. He'll follow through. He's always come through. You wanna know how I know? because I got the receipts. I know that God comes through because I've seen it here. I know that God comes through because I've seen it here. I got receipts in my life. You've got receipts in your life. And today, someone in this place needs faith to rise up so that you begin to believe in the possible and not fixate on the impossible. And with God, all things are possible. What's in the waiting? What's in the waiting? You see, fear will make you reactive, but faith is proactive. We learn to work in the waiting. We learn that all work is honoring to God if we are doing it for God, because nothing is wasted with God. This waiting season you're in is not a wasted season. And God need to remind somebody in this place, you've been waiting and you've been waiting and you've been waiting on opportunities and you've been waiting for dreams to come to pass. And God wanted to tell you, it's not wasted. I'm doing something in this. Maybe I'm teaching you to work in the waiting. Think about Jesus himself. He spent 30 years in anonymity. That's a hard word to say too. Anonymity. 30 years, what was he doing? He was working. He was a carpenter. He was working as a, as a carpenter, stonemason, doing things with his father. He was working. He was doing the mundane. And so many of us are frustrated. God, I haven't got my platform yet. God, I haven't got my opportunity yet. God, you haven't blown up my business yet. God, you haven't given me all the followers yet. Maybe God is trying to teach something in you, teach you to work, teach you more about your character in this waiting season. And the promise is coming, but you must learn to work in this season. Fear makes you react, but faith says it's time to work. It makes you proactive. When my wife and I first met, we were in college. I didn't really know her. Chrissy Daco was her name. And uh, near the end of my time in Missouri, I was about to graduate. One of her friends asked me to go on Get Your Roommate a Date with her. This was a surprise date. She didn't know who she was going with. And uh, she showed up, and much to her surprise, I was there. And she was blessed. And uh, I'm kidding. I was blessed. But, but I was about to move to Massachusetts. And so I was moving in two months. And so our day ended, and it went really well. But I never called her. She didn't call her. Didn't follow up. She'll tell you. She's got the receipts. And so we went our separate ways. For two and a half years, we had no contact. I lived in Massachusetts. She was living in Missouri. And after two and a half years, one day, I went into my office, and there was a call on my phone from Chrissy Daco because they were coming to the East Coast. She was working for a nonprofit that was doing work in East Africa, in Kenya, and they were looking for churches to raise money in. And so they were calling all the pastors they knew, and so she called me, and I answered the phone, or I called her back because she left me a voicemail, and we talked business. I said, yes, Mrs. Daco, this is Pastor Caleb Cole, a reverend. Um, 
master's in theological studies. How are you? And, uh, and, and we talked business. I said, yes, it's very possible that we could have you out here to, to present to our organization and our church and, and potentially support Dusty Feet. That was the name of the organization. And we just talked business. And I said, can I get your email? Yes, okay, chrissy at hotmail.com. Okay, great. And uh, <laughs> those were the days of Hotmail. And, and so I knew that I'd missed my shot once. And so I said to myself, I hung up, I said, I'm not missing my shot again. And so I immediately emailed her and I said, Chrissy, this is Caleb, are you single? I need your number, we gotta mingle. Come on, let's make this happen. And I was dead up, straightforward. I need your number, I wanna get to know you more. I'd like to, uh, yeah, I'd like to, you know, I, I think it's meant to be. And she responded, said, I'm single, here's my number, boom, and it's a wrap. And here we are 14 years later. Come on, God is good. I think that too many of us get stuck sitting in the background, waiting for the handwriting on the wall, fear making us do nothing and just react to what comes at us when faith will move you to get up and go places you've never gone. How can I illustrate this? We just have to look at the story of Abraham. It tells us in Hebrews 11:8, and I read it to you at the beginning of chapter 12. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, he went out not knowing where he was going. God said, go, and Abram said, okay. But too many of us, we're in a waiting season, and God is maybe urging us to step out, to work, to take action, to not be reactive, but proactive, and we're sitting back and saying, well, I just got to wait on God to do it. I just got to wait on God. And he's saying, no, I want you to work in the waiting. Abraham got up. He went. He didn't know where he was going, but he was following God. This is the proactive faith that I believe we must be living, not just waiting for things to come to us, but going out and following the leading of a God that often is saying, put your hand to it. We see so often in this day and, and, and when we've been waiting for a long time, it's very easy to feel like that we would also in turn try to make things happen though try to force it. And while I'm saying be proactive, I'm also saying you have to be obedient to what God is saying. What's in the waiting? Here's what it tells us. Fear will try to control, but faith follows wherever God leads. You see, I have a natural inclination to control to try to control every circumstance, control every outcome, control every situation control the results and if the keys would come back. But faith says, I'm going to follow God's leading. I'm going to be obedient to what God says. You know, I, I, I love basketball. As I said, I used to be a hooper. And, and one thing I see in basketball is that consistency is everything. Because there are, in sports, there are erratic all-stars. But how many of you know, I'd rather have a consistent role player than an erratic all-star. Because consistency is something you can count on. 
And it involves you staying focused. And so I wanted to challenge us that we would stay focused even in our waiting because what happens is when you're in a waiting season, it's easy to let your focus wane to where you start detracting and being distracted from all the things of this world and going to things that God has not called you to. May we be consistent in our jobs, consistent in our marriages, consistent in our finances, consistent in our families, consistent in our church going, consistent in our giving, consistent in our loving. You see, it's so easy when we feel like I've been waiting for so long that fear would come in and say, all right, you got to take control of this situation even though God said, wait on me. All right, I gotta make this happen, even though God said, trust me. All right, I gotta force this thing into fruition, even though God said, I've got it. And we know, and I don't have time to go into the whole thing, but we know that Abraham and Sarah try to do this. You see, time has gone by. They've gotten older and older and they're closing in now on 90 years old and, and Sarah goes to Abram and he says, I know we were supposed to have a children and our, our, our nation, we were gonna become a great nation and we were gonna bless all people, but it hasn't happened. So here, take my servant and you can have a child through her. You see, what fear does is fear will try to control the situation, especially when we've been waiting especially when it no longer makes sense in the natural. When the logical part of us says, there's no way, we're too old. So take my servant, and he does, he listens to her, and he, he, has, he impregnates his servant, and, and she gives birth to Ishmael. And what seems like a blessing actually becomes a curse because now there is even greater division among their family. And God has to come in and say, that's not what I told you to do. But how many are thankful for a grace-filled God? That despite us trying to control it, and despite us giving into fear, and despite us taking matters into our own hands, which we've all done, His grace still is sufficient for you and for me. And the grace of God says, even though you messed up, I'm still going to fulfill my promise to you. And at 100 years old, God touches Sarah and she becomes pregnant and she gives birth to a son named Isaac. And Isaac gives birth, his wife gives birth to a son named Jacob. And the line of Israel begins to grow and grow and grow and flourish and flourish to this day where there are Jews, millions upon millions of Jews later that are still living. And out of this line came the Savior of the world, Jesus. You see, fear will try to control the situation, but faith says, I'm going to follow you, God, wherever you lead. Abraham believed God. It didn't happen right away. So he tried to create his own path. But the grace of God said, I'm still on you. You've messed up. 
we can relate. We've messed up. We've done it. We've taken matters into our own hands. But I think God wanted me today to challenge you in your waiting season because I look around the room, I know so many are waiting on so many things that you would stay focused on the path that God has for you. That you would keep your eyes fixated on faith and not fear and keep following his steps and his path for your life. Because what is in the waiting? It's either a life of fear or it's a life of faith. And I've found time and time again as I've waited and I've waited for things and I've waited for promises and I've waited for blessings that the more I wait, the more my faith grows. For this is what the word of the Lord tells us. I know you've waited on some things and you're still waiting, but the Bible says it and we sung it. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And today God wanted to declare that over us, that you're waiting, but there is strength in the waiting. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You've been waiting. And how many you know waiting is hard? Waiting is difficult. Waiting is maybe the greatest challenge we will face. But I serve a God that is faithful. I serve a God that always follows through. I serve a God that is speaking to you right now in your waiting, and he wanted to wrap his arms around you and just remind you and whisper in your ear, I still got you. I'm still with you. I'm still there. I'm teaching you something. I'm leading you through something. So keep waiting on me. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.